0: Turn with me this morning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, I want to dive straight into the text this morning. What a powerful, powerful word in song this morning. This is not where we belong. You know, I'm a big golfer. I love to golf. It doesn't mean I'm good, but I love it and I love to watch it. And it's Master's Week in November. And so I've tried to watch it as much as I can can. I watched it streaming in my office Thursday and tried to keep up and look on my phone and see where things are. And I listened, I mean, I'm one of those junkies that sit and listen to all the press conferences and listen to all the pundits talk about what's going on and why it's going that way. And a couple of things that I've picked up so far is someone has blamed it, their their lack of, of uh, succeeding on mud balls. It's course has been kind of wet and mud gets on the ball and they've blamed it on that. Others said that uh, I, I felt dizzy over the ball. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something wrong. And there's always little things why you can look at. Now, I'm not pointing fingers because I can lay the blame as good as anybody. Just a month or so ago, I played in a tournament and missed first place by two strokes. And I'm one of those people who, even for fun, I internalize it. And I go back over the course and I think, Well, we missed it right here. We did this, we did that, and I did this, and I missed that. And we build a victim mentality where we're always looking for an excuse not to excel. We're always looking for a reason for our sadness. We're looking for a reason not to come back in faith. We say faith over fear, but we don't prove it by our lives. Because we continually blame our government, we blame politics, we blame the military, we blame other countries. We blame anything and everything so that we can walk through life whining, griping, moaning, and complaining, I'm a victim. I'm here to tell you, as Lauren just told you in song, and as we've heard uh, through the other songs this morning, we can be victors, not victims. Victims rising above the things uh, that is is totally coming at us each and every day. The things that weigh us down, he tells us, to lay aside in Hebrews and run the race. Those things that very easily entrap us and slow us down. This morning, as they're digging for my PowerPoint, if they don't find it, fine. We're going to roll with it. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. God's word said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that in this, in, in, throughout the Word of God, 66 books, 1100 and... 89 or 98 chapters, roughly 900 and something thousand words through the Hebrew, Chaldean, and Greek. Do you know the word victory is only used 12 times? And out of those 12 times, one-fourth, one-quarter of those 12 times is in this one context. Three times he uses that word victory. Warren Wearsby said, you're not fighting for victory but from victory for Jesus Christ has already come on now, church. Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan. That's why this is our temporary home. That's why we can sing all three verses of victory in Jesus. Not just that Jesus saved us. Not just that Jesus keeps us. But praise be to God. One day Jesus is coming back for us. Now church, I'm telling you. I I may get a little little, charismatic. I may go to walking a little heavy this morning. But I want you to loosen up because listen. Listen. I've heard more doubt. I've heard more dread. I've heard more fear in the last few weeks, and I have experienced it. What is going to happen? What is going to uh, be? What is all this stuff uh, going to look at and look like? Well, God's Word tells us right here two things. Two things of victory. Two forms of victory or two avenues of victory. Number one, victory has been given. He tells us in this context very clearly. He said, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. Now, when you read it and you read the first part of the context, he said, he tells us in past tense that Christ has already given us the victory. Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. But from eternity, he was obedient to the will of the Father. For he was not only man, come, born of a virgin, but he was God. And in that place, he was obedient. And in his obedience, victory has been given, number one, over death. Y'all do remember that story, don't you? This morning as we sang about it, I lowered my head and closed my eyes, and immediately I was standing there in Jerusalem at the empty tomb. I've been there a couple of times, and I hope to go back and take a bunch of you with us in February of 2022. So go ahead and start planning. We're We're planning on going back, but I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, I ain't got to go to know he's not there. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, it'll do something to you when you look for yourself. You know, they told James and John, one of them told the other, but the other had to go look. He wanted to look for himself. But I was transported back in my mind to that empty tomb. Jesus is not there. He's not still on the cross. He's not still trying to do something or willing something to happen. It is finished. You know how I know? He said so. Not just victory given over death, but victory, and this is where a lot of us, those who are born again, you know that. You you know that. You get that. Hey, I know this is not my, my home. We need that. We need that. We need that reminder that we have a country We have a home not made with earthly hands? That this is just a vapor? All through scripture, the Bible tells us that. Right? I was reminded of that this week. I'm going to tattle on myself. I told some of you don't tell it, but I'm going to tell it. That's usually how it happens, isn't it? Someone says, don't tell anybody. And then they go tell it. Well, I'm going to do that this morning for the purpose of understanding And somebody's going to say, oh, you're not old. I'm going to tell you, just listen to the story and hear my heart. So Friday, Becky and I were going to go to Pooler and she wanted to go to Sam's and I wanted to go on a date. So we were going to go out to eat, do something like that. And I said, well, if you'll let me run, do this, I'll come back and we'll go. And so I ran, I came back. And when I came back, she was laying there on the couch. She said, I'm tired. I said, well, I'm going to go take a shower and then you get ready and we'll go. And so I run, jump in the shower, and I, I, I get done, and I step out of the shower. And the way the shower door is, that you shut it behind you. And, and being raised the way I was, you don't want to leave water on the floor and get in a mess. And all. So you step out on the mat, and you shut the door behind you. Well, and, and you always be real careful, because you don't want the edge of that door to drag across the back of your legs. That's the pain about this side of a kidney stone. I mean, just tear it back. Well... I managed to survive almost six years living in this house without doing that until Friday, that fateful day. And when I stepped out, too quickly I shut that door and it went across the back of my heel. And when it did, I jumped like I was shot. And when I did, I jumped off the mat. Laugh all you want. You can laugh because you, you feel my pain. When I jumped off that mat, I landed on the tile floor. But just for a, I mean, that twinkling of an eye is about how long my feet stayed on that floor before it hit the wall across the room. And the entire back of me hit the floor. And I laid there, and and I'm going to be honest with you, the first thing that went through my head, y'all ready for this? First thing that went through my head was I'm old. I've broke something. That's what I thought. And I was like, is there a rib sticking out? Can I breathe all right? You know, I've heard all the horror stories. I've broke my back. You know, and I'm not not bleeding, but I've got internal injuries, I just know. Now, can I tell you, I'm still hurting. And I mean hurt bad. Yesterday morning, I said, well, I'm going to go hunting. And I made it about 8, 8.30, and I was like, oh, boy, I hurt. And by 9, I was hurting bad. And by 9.30, I picked up my phone, and I said, if I can't get down, I'm going to text Ethan to come help me get out of this stand. Because I couldn't. I, I thought I would not be able to make it. My whole point is, when did that happen? I'm not talking about the fall. I'm talking about where it hurts, and you don't pop back up. When things break and when you, you move a little slower and it, it, it just continues to creep and it continues to creep and we get older and we get older and our mind and our body and our emotions and everything else, we feel beat down by the things of the world. I'm here to tell you, God didn't just give you victory over eternity. He gave you victory over sin and today. Victory used 12 times in the Bible. Three times in this context, I think Paul really wanted his readers to understand what real victory looks like. You see, in verse 51, he said, I'll show you a mystery. That word mystery is the same thing he used to the church at Ephesus. He's speaking of the church, but in Ephesus, but more He's speaking of the eternality of being born again and being into the family of God. It literally means mystery to shut one's mouth or to be silent. I'm here to tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, everything was silent. There was no birds chirping. There was no joy in life. Everything became dark. And there was a palpable angst that hung over all of mankind. You see, God has a way of silencing those who come against him. Keep gossiping. God has a way of silencing that. Keep talking about your brothers and sisters. God has a way of silencing that. There's a mystery. Listen, the mystery here is this what did Lauren say? I'm telling you, God's all over this this morning. This is not all there is. How many of you ever lined up at the funeral home and went to the cemetery and followed a loved one or followed a friend? But you're not still there, are you? Once it was all done, The preacher said this is as far as we can go. Red crossing the bar or Psalm 23. We plucked flowers. We threw dirt. But we went and got in our vehicles. And we went back home. One day that will be somebody else for you. Deal with it. But when you deal with it in the realm that Jesus is enough. Death ain't no big deal. Why are believers praying more to keep people out of heaven than praying for people to keep them out of hell? We will make a list this long. I mean, it's like an organ recital on Wednesday nights. If you even show up to pray, we say we're people of prayer, but we won't come and pray. When is the last time we just said we're not going to do anything but get on our face before God? and we'll pray for their liver, and we'll pray for their lungs, and we'll pray for their corns, and we'll pray for their arthritis, and we'll pray for their their glaucoma, and we'll pray for anything and everything, but when is the last time we were broken and wept over lost souls dying and going to hell? Because can I tell you, their eternal home is not ours, and all roads do not lead, and if you're sitting here today convinced that you're okay and you've never repented of your sin, you don't know what victory looks like. For you've never met the Savior. Listen, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Believers will be changed. Made different, he said. You will be made different. Think about this. Adam and Eve, when God created Adam and then he did surgery on Eve and God gave Adam Eve. This is what Adam said in Genesis 2. He said, now you are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. That's what he said, right? Look it up, Genesis chapter 2. He didn't say flesh and blood. He said flesh and bone. I think that's for a very specific reason because you see, the Bible tells us very clearly in Leviticus chapter 17, I want you to hear this. Because we need to draw the fullness of Scripture together. He said in Leviticus, you know that book that all of us, really we get excited about reading through the Bible. And We read through Genesis and we see creation. We read about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah and all that stuff. And then we get into Exodus and we read about Moses and the plagues and the Red Sea and the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, man... We hit a pothole about 17 foot deep that's full of miry clay and we run smack dab into the law. Let me tell you what he says in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now he's describing the sacrifices, the bulls and the goats and the turtle doves and all of those things. He said the life of the flesh is in the blood And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. That which we know under the law was covered for a year. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now I'm going to tell you, what I'm about to read, if you don't want to shout, you may not shout. But if you don't at least want to shout about what I'm about to read, you better check up. He said in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, bear with me now, because God's Word can say it a lot better than I can. He said, Hebrews nine twelve. neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, sin not covered but cleansed, He said, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. Can I tell you something? We were created in the image of God, but we were born of the lineage of Adam, of his flesh and of his bones, but when we're reborn, we're born of the life and the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing Satan can do about it. This is the change. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death and for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament or a covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereunto neither the First Testament was des- dedicated without blood. Now listen to this real closely. For when Moses had spoken every precept, when he held up the Ten Commandments, told them all what God had told him, when he spoke all the the precepts to all the people according to the law and took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkling both the book and all the people saying this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Y'all remember that story out there? They put up the big tent and they put up the, the, uh, the shield for the Holy of Holies and they had the Ark of the Covenant in there and they would take that blood and they would go in and sprinkle it. He said in verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was therefore necessary. Now, follow with me. Because this is about to get rich. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. You remember when Jesus died? What happened to that holy of holies made with hands? God karate chopped it, split it open, and says, we don't need it anymore. And so Christ... He said, Went into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hebrews 4:16, that we may approach the throne of God boldly when we need grace and help in time of need through him. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often. Hebrews 10:10 10, 10 says he did it once for all. For yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of Of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, but now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Does that worry you? Did that just give you a little? Goosebump or chill? Did that just rev your motor or blow a gasket? Does that fire you up to think about one day I'm going to be with Jesus or does it worry you that you may not? Because he said, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Oh, praise be to the king who died on Calvary for you and me. Listen, we said there's victory over death and victory over sin. How do we know it? First of all, we know it because the Bible says so. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Y'all know that song? You do? Next week, y'all all all get up here and sing it. (laughs) It's not a kid's song. It's a Christian song. But it's a song of faith. Do we really believe it? When's the last time you opened it besides the Sunday? Besides the Sunday school. When's the last time you read any scripture that wasn't posted on social media? That you stuck your nose in the word of God and said, God, I need a word from you. Lord, I need to hear from you today. David said that I want to meditate on it daily. That I want it written upon my heart and on the eyelids of my eyes. That whether I'm awake or asleep, I see it. Listen, we have victory over death because the Bible Says so, Isaiah 25, 8, that great prophet of old, he said, he will swallow up death forever. Y'all hear that? There's an old song that says, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. I like the one It says, bury me in a jacked up four wheel drive truck. Because there's never been a hole I couldn't get it out of. Except for the fact that I had some pretty good jacked up trucks and I got them all stuck. But there's one hole. One day, if they plant me, I got news for you. There's nothing going to hold me down when Jesus comes calling. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from their faces. A.W. Tozer said, God never negotiates with man. If you think that you're in a deal-making proposition with God right now, I want you to hear what A.W. Tozer said. God never negotiates with man. Jesus Christ's death on the cross put an end, and we just read about it from Leviticus to Hebrews. He put an end to any kind of negotiations. It is now, it is now God's Word in its entirety or nothing. Don't you let anybody tell you that culture changes the Word of God. Don't you let anyone believe that for thousands of years, people just didn't get it until this generation. And they're smarter than anybody else. What was sin 7,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago is sin today. And God is still on the throne. When God rescued Moses and the Hebrew children, he was on his throne. When God walked Joshua and the Hebrew children into the promised land, God was on His throne. When God sent fire down on Mount Carmel with Elijah over the Baal prophets, He was on His throne. When Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel prophesied, when Micah and Malachi and Habakkuk and Obadiah prophesied, He was on His throne. When Jesus came to this earth and called Peter and Andrew and Matthew and the other apostles, He was on His throne. When Jesus took his last, God was on his throne. Hallelujah, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, God was still on his throne. And today, no matter what happens on November 3rd, Every four years, no matter what happens on your birthday, holiday, whatever happens, we, we, we internalize special days and, and we celebrate days of the dead when we ought to be celebrating the day of living, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. For He has given us the victory. There is no negotiations. Listen, victory over death because the Bible says so and because Jesus said it. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Church, can you say amen right there? August 9th, 1972. I died the death to sin that I may live in Christ. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it is not I that now lives, but Christ who lives within me because he gave his life for me. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Look at me. Jesus looked at them, and I'll repeat his words to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe this? That through Jesus, though you die in the flesh, die in the flesh, you will live forevermore. Do you believe that? Because Jesus said it. Listen, Justin Martyr. And by the way, that was not his birth surname. He was given that surname after this situation. Justin, somewhere around... 130, 160 AD, not ACE, AD, Anno Domini, when Justin came walking, a man who believed in the philosophy of the day and he was a great follower of Plato, and one day an old man confronted him on it. And he was converted and became a very staunch preacher and proclaimer of the word of God now you've got to remember you think we've got it bad now and I believe we ought to fight for religious liberty I think we ought to fight for freedom in America and never stop fighting but I'm going to tell you something you have never seen bad like it was in that day for they had suffered under Nero and Caligula and some of the worst leaders that ever face the earth some that would make Hitler blush And one's name was Marcus Aurelius who put many Christians to death. He was the Roman emperor and most powerful and feared man alive. He called Justin before his throne, his earthly throne, and said, defend your Christianity. And he began to expound in the ways of Christianity and who Christ was. And Marcus Aurelius did what he did so often. He said, this is nonsense, off with his head. But before they could cut his head off, his vocal cords still working, Justin, now called the martyr, proclaimed, you can kill us, but you can't hurt us. Pretty profound, wouldn't you agree? You see, victory over death Because the Bible says so. Jesus said it. But what makes important that Jesus said it is because Jesus did it. He said in Luke 24, verse 5 through 7, my favorite verse of all of Scripture. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember? 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 Remember, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. It's not superstition. The disciples did not steal him. The Romans did not hide him. Jesus got up. You hear me? Jesus is alive. When he looked at those ladies, they said, please, Mr. Gardner, if you would just tell us what you've done. They didn't even believe. And all of a sudden, he said, Mary, today Jesus is whispering your name. Will you see him? Will you hear him? Will you believe him to have victory over death? And I want you to understand because only Jesus can give it. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. There's a comma right there, a comma splice, not a period or exclam- exclamation point. The wages of sin is death. Dig this conjunction. But, but, The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah, be victory through Jesus. Victory is ours. Victory is ours. Thank God in Jesus Christ. Victory today is ours because Jesus gives it. Let me wind it up because some of you need it. I'm sorry, it ain't going to be 29 minutes. I was trying. Tell her to turn her watch off while she's in there. Not just victory over death, but victory over sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. I like that, don't you? Y'all still flipping. I hear paper. Let me read that again. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So he's not saying being dead like... He's talking about being dead to sin because you have repented of your sin and made alive. He said, so... Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, well, he lives unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. I'm going to tell you something. It is time that Christians stop trying to walk with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. To stop embracing the carnality that is the world. I read an article yesterday of a pastor of one of the biggest, hippest megachurches in America. The hip Hillsong in New York. Caught in an affair. Now they've called in lawyers to investigate the money and everything else. Six months ago, he was hanging out with Justin Bieber and his wife and all these hip, cool cats. Playing ball with Drake and all these others. And his picture was all over the social scene. Today is a broken, empty shell. A castaway because he chose sin over a season Do I believe God can forgive him and clean him up and make something useful? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, there's a danger. There's a danger when you walk too close to the fire. He says, once again, in chapter 6, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members or instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not, shall not, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. I want you to understand a few very quick things. First of all, victory over sin in our circumstances. Go back one. In our circumstances, listen, we're going to face trials and tribulations. Deal with it. Problems are going to happen. Trucks are going to break. Lightning's going to strike. Dishwashers are going to flood. There's going to be trials and tribulations. You're going to slip getting out of the shower. Do you know that the number one cause of injury and death in the home is exactly that? And the bad thing is I knew that when I fell. So all that was going through my head. Really? I don't want to die getting out of the shower. Come on. You know you want to go in a blaze of glory like Patton. You know Patton, one of the greatest famous American generals of all time, died because a deuce and a half truck crossed the center line and his executive car hit it and his head hit the clock in the back of the seat. Three days later in the hospital, he had an aneurysm. He got out and walked around when the wreck happened. Three days later, he died in the hospital. 1949. Four years removed from any real war. He didn't die with his, he died with his boots on in a uniform, in an in a army car, but not in a tank and not leading men into battle. Trials and tribulations are going to come your way. Physical, Financial, relational, they're coming. Church, God has given us, through Jesus Christ, victory. Not through or under, but victory over our circumstances. Not this whole idea of name it, claim it. You know, grab it, have it. Faith where you can shake your fist at God, and if you say it, then it's got to be. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to trust God in every circumstance and know whether we live or we die, we do so unto the Lord, and God's going to give us the victory either on this side or on that. Right? But not only victory over our circumstances. Because, listen, how does that tie in with victory over sin? Because sin is the reason we have negative things that happen in this world. Everything that is bad, everything that causes death, every problem is a derivative of sin. And how we react. You know, someone said one time that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. That's where the sin enters in when we choose to fly hot and act a fool when we face trials and tribulations. And you know what's funny? We blame God. You ever seen somebody that won't go to church because a deacon or the preacher made them mad? Or somebody that sat across the church didn't speak to them or didn't do this or did do that? What's that got to do with God saving you? You're going to hold God accountable for what some sinful man did? What about that person that made you mad? They still go to, yeah, they still go down to that church. That's why I ain't going. Well, if they're in church and you're not, guess who's closer? Victory over sin and our circumstances, but also over ourself, our ego. Can I just tell you something? I don't even have it written up here. But the most arrogant, now listen to me, everybody listen to this because we all face it from time to time. The most arrogant thing that you can do is not forgive yourself. When Jesus said, God, for his sake, will forgive you. If you prayed to receive Christ, you prayed for God to forgive you, how dare you think that you're more holy and more decisive in who ought to be forgiven and who shouldn't than God. Jesus paid for your forgiveness. Forgive yourself. The temptations of our ego. We look at things and we say, oh, I can make more money. Oh, I can be more popular. Oh, I can have all this stuff. You know what happens to stuff? They have yard sales. And estate sales. You see, the yard sales is when the men ain't looking. The estate sales when they can't look. You get what I'm saying? All this stuff is either going to rot, rust, or be sold. Or stuck in a museum somewhere. One of the greatest museums on earth. Listen, even a museum, you lock it up all you want. It's still going to decay. One of the greatest museums on earth is in Kentucky. And not too long ago, there was a sinkhole developed right smack dab in the middle of the museum. You know what the museum is? The National Corvette Museum. Now that's the kind of museum that I can get into. And that hole opened up and it was over 80 foot deep and it literally took millions and millions of, actually priceless because these were number one cars that came up. There'll never be another number one 1963 Corvette. That was when a year model changed to a split window from the other. There'll never be another number one. Those kind of cars went into that hole. Some of them are still on display because they could not be fixed. I'm telling you, all the things of this world will go away except for the faith in Jesus Christ. Selfishness. We become selfish about, this is mine, I want this. Self-confidence, I can handle it. I don't need God. Self-ego. What about our, our emotions? I want to encourage you today. With the words of Jesus, John 14 said, let not your heart be troubled. There's a famous news guy, and I ain't going to call him news, more commentator, that every night when he signs off, he says that. Let not your heart be troubled. I don't know that he gets it. I really don't. And I don't mean any disrespect, but I'm going to tell you, Saying it is well is not whether you win a football game or not. It's whether you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Sometimes we adopt things. We say, hey, let not your heart be troubled. Listen to the next person on Fox. I'm going to tell you something. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? You believe in God? Believe also in me In my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and he did, and prepare a place for you, I will come again, church. Jesus is coming back. That where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know in the way. You know, listen. Troubled, sadness, loneliness, brokenness, all the things that seem to be choking us out. Be careful. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that goes beyond understanding will guard your hearts and minds in what? In who? Jesus Christ he, we are victors over sin and over our emotions because of Jesus and as they come to the instruments this morning in conclusion listen, victory over death victory over sin he tells us in Revelation 12 11, and they overcame him the old lying devil Satan the beast the counterfeiter the murderer and the father of it. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Now this is future tense of the martyrs, but I think it applies to us. Number one, if you're going to be a victor, not a victor, a victim, then it's got to be through Jesus. And you've got to have a word of testimony. You've got to be able to say, Jesus saved me. Jesus changed me. Jesus keeps me. Jesus is coming back for me. And if we really believe it, then we must be like them and not love this life over loving Jesus. Church, this is just our temporary home. We're just a passing through. But one day, one day, as I said, we're looking for a city. We're looking for that city built by God. Do you know Jesus? If not, you're still a victim. You're a victim of sin and the wretchedness that is flesh. But this morning, through Jesus Christ, you can know that you know that God has given you the victory. If you need to pray about that, you need to come pray, get one of these backpacks. You need to join this church. You need to be baptized and obey what Jesus said and tell the world that Jesus saved you. Whatever you need to do, stand and come right now. Come. Come to Jesus.